Good morning and welcome to Mornings on Main Street for this Friday, the 20th of October. I'm your host, Stephanie Miller. Thanks for joining us this morning. I hope you guys are gearing up for a fantastic Friday and looking ahead to the weekend. Speaking of the weekend, on Saturday will be the 12th Wine Around the Square happening in Murfreesboro. What is this event all about? Well, I will tell you that proceeds, 100% of the proceeds from this event will go back into the Power of Pink Fund that Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford has been using to help not only the uninsured and underinsured women in not only the Rutherford County area, but others get mammograms, screenings, diagnostics, and more to make sure that they are healthy and breast cancer free. But again, this early detection is key. Talking about early detection, we're going to learn how important that is when we sit down with a breast surgeon from Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford. She not only talks about risks for breast cancer, but also the latest in treatment. After that, I will introduce you to an oncology nurse navigator and the role that she plays to help patients as well as families and caregivers. After that, I will share with you the honoree for this year's Wine Around the Square. She is not only one of Ascension's own nurses there, but she is a breast cancer survivor celebrating five years being cancer free. And then we round out today's show by talking about Wine Around the Square, which is happening Saturday from six to nine o'clock. If you head out, do make sure that you have a designated driver or someone that is that safety person for you, but go out and enjoy, get a ticket because again, know that 100% of those proceeds will be going back to the Power of Pink Fund. But first this morning, let's get a check of our headlines and stories that you'll find at MainStreetMediaTN.com. The Greenbrier Bobcats 12 under youth football team season has come to an end. This comes after an incident involving a parent who allegedly brought a gun near the field at the October 15th game between the Jolton Vikings and Greenbrier Bobcats at the Jolton Community Club and Park. This was following a play that led to a fight among several of the young players. Well, the man with the gun is banned from all MTJFL events and cheer events. You can read more on this story and how the situation was handled by going to our website and clicking on the Cheatham County Exchange. CFR Administration Training Facility, Red River Pedestrian Bridge, Exit 8 Athletic Complex, and Silicon Ranch Solar Farms. Well, those are just four of 17 budgeted capital projects the city of Clarksville is making headway on right now. Mayor Joe Pitts shares that the city's investment in projects will enhance the quality of life and add value to the city of Clarksville and the services. Learn where all the projects stand by going to MainStreetMediaTN.com and finding Main Street Clarksville. Okay, get this, the Broadway Bridge in downtown Nashville is now back open, and this is ahead of that October 31st date that was originally the end date. Some small items of work remain on and around the bridge that will need to be done, but again, it is open to celebrate the opening. Tennessee Department of Transportation held a ribbon cutting this past Wednesday. All right, the weekend is upon us. I know we're all curious what the weather is going to be like because we'll be out and about doing fun, festive Halloweenish events, I'm sure, just fall events out there. Let's get a check of that forecast with the team over at Tennessee Valley Weather. From the Tennessee Valley Weather Channel, this is your weather today. 
Good Friday morning. I'm Kelly Rawson here in the Tennessee Valley Weather Center with a check at your forecast. For the rest of this morning and afternoon, we're going to see a little bit of cloud cover, maybe a sprinkle or two across the area. But overall, we are going to start drying out after the rainfall from yesterday with a few clouds hanging around for the afternoon. But temperatures comfortable in the upper 60s with a breeze out of the north about 10 to 15 miles an hour. For the evening, we cool off pretty quickly into the 50s and upper 40s by 9 p.m. But we do have a clear sky and we will hold on to a clear sky overnight and for the first part of your Saturday, but I do think some clouds move in for Saturday afternoon, but no rain moves in for the weekend. We stay dry, just a stray chance for a shower this morning, but overall after that we are dry for the next several days and we gradually warm up from the upper 60s on Saturday to the lower 70s by Sunday and then mid 70s by the middle of next week. So looking at statistics, one in eight will be diagnosed with breast cancer, two out of three women after the age of 55. We're sitting down with Dr. Lindsay Keith, who has been a breast surgeon now going on her seventh year of residency. First off, thank you so much, Dr. Keith, for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Right off, what are some of the risk factors for women um, as they get older? Okay. The gen in general, the biggest risk factor is being a female, of course. So one in eight women, as you mentioned, are going to deal with breast cancer. So that's why it's very important to know know, know your own breast. Also know what your other risk factors are, which I'll, which I'll talk about. But also make sure you self-examine, which we'll also talk about. So risk factors, mainly um, most people think of family history. While family history is certainly a risk factor, um, not everybody with breast cancer has a family history of breast cancer. So there's a lot of mis um, misconception there. Um, but really estrogen exposure in general. So starting periods at an early age, um, having um, hormones after an uh, average age of menopause, which is 51, mm -hmm. um, estrogen exposure in general in that aspect, um, never having children or never carrying a child to term is actually a risk factor as well. Um, excessive alcohol use. Uh, and of course, again, family history is where we look into it as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then let's talk about self-examination uh -huh. and when that should start and exactly what you are looking for. Yeah. There's no uh, great guidelines for when it should start, but in general, my recommendations are to know your own breast because I have women that are girls really that come to me at 16, 17, um, that have masses and they found them themselves. Now, uh, most of the time, 16 and 17 years, 17 year olds aren't doing regular breast exams, but certainly by the time you're in your early 20s, you should know kind of what's normal for you and what's not. Uh, so lumps, bumps, masses, anything that's new uh, and not going away after about two weeks would be concerning. Uh, pain is actually very rarely a sign that something bad is going on. So one of the most common things I see is breast pain. Well, good. I always say good. You have breast pain because that's rarely a sign that something bad is going on. Really, I can count on one hand how many times pain has been so associated with a cancer diagnosis. So that's not really a sign of cancer, but it certainly gives people reason for concern. They, you know, find, call their doctors, go to their doctors. But it's really masses that are sort of fixed or stuck to the surrounding tissue, masses that are sort of mobile or kind of move underneath your fingers or um, are smooth are usually cysts or a benign tumor called a fibroadenoma. They're not usually a cancer diagnosis in those cases. So it's really just knowing your breasts. Uh, on average, I usually recommend people examine them once a month because if you're examining them every day, you might not notice changes. Just mm -hmm. as if you see somebody every day, you're not going to notice weight loss. 
uh, as if you see them once a month, you're going to notice some changes over time. Right. So um, once a month in the shower is the best place to do it because, you know, let soapy water be on your skin. It kind of helps things slide a little better. So you can see if they're mobile. You can see if they're fixed to their surrounding tissue, things like that. I, I don't know about others, but my first initial reaction would be a little panic mm-hmm. if that if I felt something. Absolutely. What do you what can you say to women who are doing those self exams or they say they get that diagnosis of mm-hmm. breast cancer? What mm-hmm. can you say to them? For the for the women that does a self woman that does a self exam and finds a lump, don't delay. Um, two weeks is a long enough time for something you know, not concerning to go away. Um, a cyst related to your cycle will usually get smaller or less prominent. Uh, after about that two-week time period or even a month. Um, But if you feel something and you're concerned at all about it, don't ever hesitate to go to your doctor, Uh, primary care doctor, urgent care, uh, wherever you can go to sort of have yourself be heard about, hey, I found this thing. What do I need to do next? And then the next thing that you should do, depending on your age, is some sort of imaging. If you're less than 30, that imaging is usually going to start with an ultrasound. If you're over 30, that's usually going to start with a bilateral uh, diagnostic mammogram plus an ultrasound on the side that you're feeling something. So bilateral, both sides, diagnostic, they're looking for something. Uh, And then again, the mammogram is usually combined with an ultrasound. And that's the best way to sort of first look and see if there's anything bad. And a lot of times what happens is women do that and then they find, oh, well, you've got a cyst, you're going to be fine. And then you can have some, you know, pause for concern or um, less reason for concern. And then Sometimes you'll still get established with a breast surgeon at that point because if it's symptomatic, meaning it's painful or it's growing, something like that, we can still do some things for that. But after you get a diagnosis, again, of course, now it's it's game time, as I call it. Now we have a diagnosis. Now it's time to go through all of the steps to figure out the things that we need to do next. Okay. What, where is treatment? How has that advanced throughout the years? Where are we now? Well, let's look historically on that because, you know, going through fellowship, you sort of learn about the history of breast cancer. And really prior to the 1970s, it was pretty barbaric, uh, to be honest. Um, so we thought that you had to have what's called Halstead's radical ra- radical mastectomy, which means taking uh, all of the breast tissue, all of what we call level one, two, and three lymph nodes. It's a lot of lymph nodes. Uh, removing the entire pectoralis major and minor muscles. And then essentially you have skin on top of the ribs. And it was very morbid. Um, but what they learned over time uh, for many, many years is that, that women would still die from metastatic breast cancer or they would still die from breast cancer, even the, despite having to have this major radical surgery. So then began a, a series of, of trials um, uh, put forth by the NAPBC that uh, had basically studied you know, the radical mastectomy compared to what we call a modified radical mastectomy, which is where the breast and the levels one and two lymph nodes go, but the muscles stay in place. And over time, essentially, as all of these, um, I'm talking about surgical case studies, as all these surgical studies kind of came about, we found that you could do less and less surgery and still get by with um, similar survival rates. So surgically, we're doing less, um, which is a good thing. in terms of how much tissue we have to take, how many lymph nodes we have to take. And now what we're seeing is sort of a de-escalation of lymph node surgery, or meaning not doing as much surgery in the lymph nodes because the morbidity associated with lymphedema for the, for the rest of that patient's life is pretty extreme. 
And it doesn't happen to everybody, but it does happen to, to many that have the full lymph node dissection plus some other procedures that go along with it. Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of surgery, we're seeing less and less of it. Now we're actually starting to see some cryotherapy or freezing a tumor that's um, sort of new and up and coming. But when it comes to survival, truly what has made a difference is systemic treatment. And by that, I mean um, the medical oncologist that's usually part of the team when treating you. Uh, talking about anti-hormonal therapies that have improved over time, uh, systemic chemotherapies and immunotherapies or targeted therapies that have improved over time, and even some targeted oral medications or oral medications that target specific receptors have um, have been um, come about over time. And those are truly where survival benefits have, have uh, made strides there over the years. Okay. So we've had a significant um, improvement in breast cancer care over the past 50 years. And w- when you think about time... Mm-hmm. Um, the amount uh, or the, the level of improvement that we've made in just that short period of time is, is dramatic. And with that also, sorry, I have a lot to say about no, this No, no, please. With that also is um, mammograms, uh, early detection. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't really start in the breast cancer world until around the 90s. Um, that's really when mammograms, the, the, incident, or the, the use of mammograms started to improve significantly in the 90s. Uh, a lot, if you were to look at a survival curve from, from breast cancer altogether, the survival curve and use of mammograms is side by side. So it's early detection, really. Any cancer that you find early is typically curable. So again, making sure that you're having your regular doctor visit, making sure that you're conducting those monthly Mm -hmm. um, self-breast exams, Mm -hmm. you know, while you're in the shower or whatnot Mm -hmm. at any time. Is there anything that we can do with our lifestyles that can maybe decrease our chances? The only thing that has really been shown to improve survival, not only at diagnosis uh, or even prevent breast cancer, is keeping your BMI normal. Um, because when you think about hormones, all hormones are stored in body fat. And so uh, it's, it's very um, uh, counterintuitive to postmenopausal women um, when they hit, go through menopause and they don't have any estrogen around anymore. Um, their, their tumors are most often, um, hormone receptor positive. Uh, so they're fed by hormones. And so that confuses people because like, I don't have any hormones around. Yes, you do. It's just in your body fat. And so you can't really control that except for obviously keeping your BMI normal and trying to decrease that as much as possible. So that's really the only thing that has been shown over time to one, prevent it Two, um, if you have breast cancer, improve your survival and decrease the risk of having it come back again. And that was going to be my next question. You know, if a woman has breast cancer or a man, um, do we need to be checking other areas or, you know, talking with our doctor to make sure we don't have cancer anywhere else? Yeah, sure. There are some um, cancers that go together. Okay. Uh, when we think about gene mutations, there are some clusters of cancers that go with specific gene mutations. Mm-hmm. In the breast cancer world, the two, uh, two of the highest risk gene mutations are BRCA1 and 2. They're BRCA1 and 2. Those are what everybody kind of knows from the um, Angelina Jolie. I believe she was BRCA2 positive. But ultimately, um, uh, you know, prophylactic mastectomies, things like that. But there are actually several gene mutations, at least eight to 10 relatively high risk um, genes that increase your risk for breast cancer. And for those patients, uh, certainly they would be candidates for what we call high risk breast cancer screening. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some calculations that we use also to determine outside of gene mutations, not having a gene mutation if you are at a higher than average risk for breast cancer over your lifetime. And those folks also qualify for high risk breast cancer screening. Okay. How common is it for a man to see breast cancer? 1% of all breast cancer statistically are in men. Okay. When a man comes with a mass or a lump or a bump, most often it's not something cancer related. But when it is, 
Um, obviously men, men still get a mammogram and they still get a mammogram on both sides. I call it a manogram. So that, and what they still get to wear the same cape and typically yeah. pink and, you know, uh, bright colors, but ultimately they get the same workup as a woman, uh, and they get the same treatment in general as a woman. So, um, in general, they get a mammogram to diagnose it. They get a mammogram plus ultrasound to diagnose it and have a biopsy. Most of the time they are estrogen receptor positive in men. Uh, they usually present at slightly higher stages, meaning a little bit further advanced because most of the time men wait. You know, they're like, this can't be breast cancer. Right. Uh, so they wait until uh, it's usually a little bit larger before either their spouse or um, or they get concerned enough to go get it checked out. But statistically, again, 1% of all of them, um, are, all, all breast cancers are in men. But the first one of the first things that we do, do is look at genetics. Okay. And so that's a it's an automatic indication for genetic testing because it technically shouldn't happen. Right. And a male. Okay. A couple so. more questions for you. Yeah. Now that there is a position called a, the navigator, you mm-hmm. know, for someone to be able to work those patients and families, what are your thoughts? How is that, how helpful has that been for those who go through the diagnosis and treatment? Yeah. So, um, this is a journey, uh, and not a sprint. And, um, ultimately there's a lot of moving parts, uh, when it comes to both, um, the diagnosis, the treatment, and then even surveillance, uh, long-term afterwards. So a navigator really helps us um, kind of keep those things on track. Uh, not everybody gets everything when it comes to treating breast cancer. And so it helps patients to kind of understand what, what their path, what their journey is going to be, and then help navigate them through those uh, next phases as well. So it's, it's great. Uh, I'd say so. And again, we'll be speaking with um, a, a nurse who plays that role as breast cancer navigator and working with families. So we'll get to hear more about that coming up just a little bit later. Dr. Keith, is there anything that I haven't asked that you would like to share, maybe beneficial for people to hear? Sure. Um, screening is important. Um, screening is done in a patient that doesn't have any symptoms, uh, meaning what, uh, on average, oh, I don't think we've gone over this, but average risk uh, is, uh, again, 12% or one in eight. And mammograms really should start at 40 years old uh, and once a year. There are some guidelines out there that finally just reversed instead of saying every other year uh, and starting at 50. Now it's 40 years old and once a year. So that is the guidelines. And that's absolutely what you should follow. So if we would like to connect with you, if someone would like more information or would like to connect in some way, how do they do that? The easiest way would be to go to lindsaykeith.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-K-E-I-T-H.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see my face there. Uh, and I'll have a phone number there. And that phone number is uh, 615-900-2621. Uh, and, of course, it has my address on there as well. But that's 1830 Heritage Park Plaza in Murfreesboro, 37129. And you work with a local hospital, but you do have your own private practice uh-huh. as well. Yes, I work. Uh, I do my surgeries at St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital, um, but this is uh, my private practice in the community. Okay, thank you for that. We really do appreciate it. And all the information so helpful. Again, really do take note and start those, um, you know, those breast exams, you know, ti- in a timely fashion, and just make sure that you're getting your annual checkups for sure. Okay. Thank you, Doctor T. Thank you. Keith, stick with us here on Mornings on Main Street. We have more coming up right after this. Beginning January 1, Delta Dental of Tennessee is introducing enhanced benefits for persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities. It'll include extra cleaning times for people with special needs, extra time for exams. More importantly, we will create a training program that any dentist office in the state can go online and pick that up. At Delta Dental, we believe that the quality of oral health care should be accessible and inclusive for all. Dairy Berry's Heat and Air has been proudly serving the Middle Tennessee area for over 35 years. We have been voted Summer County's best heat and air company for the past eight years. 
For outstanding service, call Dairy Berries at 615-452-8121. When it comes to insurance, you want a name you can trust. Wendy Danielle Stack is here to help. With over seven years of experience, Danielle and her team are here to assist you in finding the right coverage for all of your needs. From auto and home to life and business insurance, we have customized options for everyone. We'll work with you to create a personalized plan that protects everything in your life that matters most. Call today and see for yourself why Danielle Stack is the go-to insurance agent in Clarksville. We offer services for both men and women, breast, body, and face for both. People come to plastic surgery offices because they want to improve something that they feel is a flaw in themselves. About 10 years ago, our men's procedures were probably about 10% of what we did. Nowadays, it's more like 30 or 40%. Eyelid lifts, liposuction, and we even do hair transplants here. We are part of the community, and we want to be able to walk around and see faces in the community that we've made happy. Welcome back to Mornings on Main Street. I have Kathy Pierce with me now. She's been a nurse for 40 years, recently celebrating 40 years. She works as an oncology nurse navigator. First off, Kathy, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. What is a navigator? What is that role? Um, I am here for the patient, um, and I'm here to help them with anything that I can, help them anything that they need. They come up with any problems, questions, kind of start with them from diagnosis mm -hmm. and uh, try to be with them when uh, the doctor talks to the patient about what's going on initially and that kind of helps form a bond yeah. and then I can kind of assess um, what needs they may have at that time. Um, that's an ongoing process that changes all the time. Um, we call them barriers to care. So um, that is one of my jobs, is to remove barriers for the patient. So financial, um, uh, emotional, education, um, you know, uh, lack, of, uh, lack of knowledge of, of actually what's going on, even though the doctor explained it to them. Some people still don't quite understand it. It's a lot. So mm -hmm. It is a lot to take in at one time. Yes, it is. Well, how long has the navigator role been around, or has it been called something different in the past? Has something like this always been available to patients? No, this is new. This okay. is new. Um, I've been doing this five years, and I think that they had one other breast navigator at Midtown at that point. Mm -hmm. They didn't have any other navigators at that time. So they, they quickly hired GI, uh, lung, uh, and brain. Okay. Um, so we, we cover a lot of a lot of uh, diseases. Um, there are still some that don't have navigators that we see a need for us to have more navigators. Mm -hmm. um, because it's essential, I'm here for the patient. If you have a question that you don't feel like you need to call the doctor, you can just call me. I tell them, call me. I don't care if you called me yesterday. If you have a question, you call me. If you have a problem, you call me. And we'll do everything that we can, as I said, to remove the barriers to help the patient out. So again, being a nurse for 40 years, you saw what this was like before having someone in a role as a navigator. And now that there is someone here, I guess, do you see a sense of relief when it comes to working with those patients oh, or those absolutely, family members? absolutely, absolutely. Just, they were like, oh, I can call you. I'm like, here's my folder and here's my number, my card right here inside the folder, mm -hmm. securely so that they won't lose it. Um, so they, I tell them, please call me if I can do anything for you. 
That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Kathy, can you tell us what resources and programs are offered to help patients, breast cancer patients, um, as they go through that journey through treatment and through care? Um, we have a lot of resources. We're really blessed with resources. Mm -hmm. um, we have had grants uh, from different organizations, including the foundation. Uh, they give us gas cards for transportation for patients that live in outlying areas mm -hmm. and are needing to come to radiation, you know, every day. Okay. Um, we also have, uh, gosh, we have so much, where do I start? Um, we have a support group. Okay. We have a virtual support group. We have a, uh, it's a woman's group and then we have a men's group. And then we have, actually have a caregiver's support group. And then also we have a post-treatment support group uh, that is for patients after surgery uh, that maybe have to have scans every six months or something, you know, and they're kind of very worried. So there's also a group for that. And our social worker or the Tennessee, the uh, um, psychiatrist from Tennessee Oncology, they uh, work the group. So we have very qualified people there to help them. Talk to us about support groups. Do you have times to where patients are like, I don't need that, I don't need that support. Why should they maybe turn to a support group um, as they're going through their journey? Because the, people have said that um, when they're around people that are going through the same thing, it is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of sometimes just getting them there and being open-minded enough because they are so stressed and really kind of freaked out because mm -hmm. I don't know how many patients I've said have had to say to me, I can't have cancer. I feel too good. There's, there's no way I have cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very hard for them because those people are still not really accepting it. Right. You know, and it's a grief process, kind of like with anything, you know, that patients go through, mm -hmm. um, just like any other grief process. In addition to the support groups, is there any other way for patients or families to cope with that diagnosis? In Nashville, we have Gilda's Club, which is awesome. You know, Gilda Radner started that 20 years ago. She had ovarian cancer. There was mm -hmm. no support in the area, so she started that organization. They do lots of things virtual. They do lots of things Zoom. They have great activities. They have speakers come in. Mm -hmm. um, they'll have a, a chef come in and fix dinner and try to show them, you know, good ways to eat mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but what's so important is that they have the first Spanish-speaking support group that we are aware of. Okay. That's wonderful. That's huge. Yes, it is. Because yes, they is. actually have a place to now go to speak and feel free to speak. Um, I think it's very, very helpful. Kathy, there's something else you wanted to highlight before you left <laughs> us today, and I'd love um, to hear more. Yes, I just wanted to talk about uh, a little bit about what the foundation does. Okay. They do a lot for our patients, and people don't realize, uh, I don't think, um, they provide our, um, our books, our education material for us, our beautiful Judy Neese books. Um, patients love those books. They're mm -hmm. full of so much knowledge. They're great. And the foundation, um, um, sponsors our cancer wellness program here at our fitness center. We have a small fitness center here. Okay. Um, so they, they, um, they fund that. And that's a program where they can go in and, you know, kind of start exercising and doing little by little, working with an exercise physiologist, somebody that knows what they're doing. Uh, you know, we're not gonna put anybody out there. <laughs> right, you right. Know, 
They know what they're doing. They know limitations mm -hmm. on certain patients. Mm -hmm. um, but that program um, uh, is essential because um, most type, the estrogen type breast cancer, um, one of the key things is to keep your weight ideal, mm -hmm. um, keep your BMI ideal. Um, that helps prevent a recurrence. So that's a big deal, really, to help people get motivated, get moving. They don't want to, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't want to either sometimes, you know, but uh, try to get them motivated and moving and get them to understand the importance right. of that. And once they do, they kind of go, huh. I was like, think about it, and I'll get back with you. Okay, and the foundation she's speaking of is ASTR. Yes. Ascension St. Thomas, Thomas Rutherford. So that is the foundation she yes. is speaking of. Yes, yes. And just such beautiful work. There's one other thing. What is this apron all about? We have a pink apron here. This, um, we had a patient, we had a nurse, Judy Leverett, uh, and she had breast cancer and she did not uh, survive, but her family wanted to do something and pay it forward. So they made these little aprons um, for the patients so they can put their their drains in them so that they don't dangle and pull and get pulled out. So this is something that is available on the floor. If a patient doesn't have something for their drains, mm -hmm. then they make sure that they have one of these to go home. That is wonderful. Kathy, mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing all the information with us, sharing the role of a navigator when it comes to that diagnosis of breast cancer and how you help not only breast cancer patients, their families, but again, um, those who just need any information here at the hospital. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that I haven't asked? No, I don't think so. It's just I, I enjoy my job. I love my job. I love working with my patients. Yeah. They're all, they're precious. Well, you have they to enjoy really it. 40 are. years, 40 years celebrating yeah. 40 <laughs> years do. in the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. Thank you yeah. again, Kathy, for your time. Thank you. Anytime. Stick with us here on Mornings on Main Street. We'll be right back after this commercial break. At Fred's Flooring, we're your source for quality flooring options. Our extensive experience and knowledge in the industry means we have the expertise to get the job done right. From carpet to tile, hardwood to laminate, and luxury vinyl, we have everything you need to find the perfect floor for your home. As the Main Street Award Favorite Floor Store winner for 2023, we know what it takes to satisfy our customers. And with our convenient financing options, you can get your dream floors now and pay over time. Visit fredsfloors.com or call us today. At Chapels, we pride ourselves on offering a wide variety of the freshest fruits and vegetables, handpicked just for you. We have a wide selection of the freshest, highest quality meats that will leave your taste buds craving more. Our friendly staff is always ready to lend a helping hand. We believe in treating every customer like family because at Chapels, your family is our family. We've been locally owned and operated for over 60 years. You can visit any of our Chapels locations in Dixon, White Bluff, McEwen, and Centerville. At Old Hickory Credit Union, we're member-owned, not-for-profit, and eager to serve our Robertson County community. Since 1934, we have strived to provide our members with a safe, reliable place to take care of all their financial needs. From checking accounts to loans to mortgages, we're here to help. Credit unions have to constantly adapt to meet the needs of an ever-changing market. However, one constant will always remain, and that is the service we provide to our members. Stop by our Greenbrier branch today. What separates us from other companies in Tennessee, um, that's going to be our, our mission to our customers, is to always improve the quality of life 
Um, that's from taking care of your pest to a friendly voice on the phone when you call. To a technician that comes out, he's competent, he's going to solve the problem for you. We're considered a full encompassing service, so we're going to take care of 50 plus different pests and we'll always have your back. Wine Around the Square is this Saturday. All proceeds will be going back to help in the fight against breast cancer. To talk more about breast cancer and the, what someone goes through in their battle, we have Gay Enzi with us. She is with Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford. She's been a nurse for 47 years working with patients. So first off, Gay, thank you so much for sitting down with me on this topic. You're so welcome. Let's talk about First off, your battle, you're, you get a five-year battle with, or you've been five years breast cancer free. Mm -hmm. What has this past five years, what has that been like for you? Well, when you first get your diagnosis, you know, it's, it's, it can be a little overwhelming. I have to say, I did not feel totally devastated. I felt like it was a journey that myself and my family, my coworkers were going to take. And I felt very comfortable where I was going to go with that mission and that journey because being at the same facility with the same people for that long, I knew my surgeons, uh, I knew my anesthesia group, I'd worked hand in hand with all of them, so I picked my surgery crew, I picked right down to the circulator, the person passing the instruments, I picked them all. And I know that everybody doesn't have that opportunity and that comfortability, but uh, there are resources out there, and I always strive to let people know, use your nurse navigators, use your physicians once you've chose a physician for that route. But um, I was very comfortable accepting that journey. And then um, I had um, bilateral mastectomy and reconstruction surgery, uh, finished that up, which would be five years this December. And I've been cancer-free. I still continue to visit my oncologist and the surgeon uh, every six months, which is recommended just to be sure that, that you as a, the patient are not missing anything, any symptoms or anything. Um, and so I continue to do that just five years, free loss about two weeks ago. And I will continue, according to my oncologist, uh, once a year to continue to have lab work and have an exam in the office. And those are really smart things to do to continue to to make sure that you pick up on anything as soon as possible, which is the smart thing to do with cancer because it can grow really fast sometimes. 100%. And Gay, you've been, you know, you've played that, not played that, you've been a nurse for 47 years. You've worked with patients. Your perspective from what you were sharing, it was a little different from other people that come in. Can you share with us your perspective on that, that diagnosis? Um, you know, what you've seen and heard throughout the years and how you use that to stay positive. I think one plus was not only had I ex had experienced it and went the journey with patients, uh, my mother had had breast cancer almost the same age that I did. And at that time, she was in her 80s and had been cancer free for over 20 years. My younger sister had also had breast cancer. They both had went through the same surgeries that I did. My mom did have to do chemo chemotherapy. Um, so it was a little bit harder on her. We went all that route. So that was one blessing I didn't. I was not recommended to have chemotherapy. But the firsthand experience, and, and that's what I, I really want to stress to folks that get that first diagnosis, that first awareness is something wrong, is yes, you have to be fearful, but also know that you are not alone. You have so many ladies have gone through that. And probably if you mentioned it to 
anybody in your friends or your family, they're going to say, oh, yeah, my sister had breast cancer and she's doing great. You know, there there's just so many really good stories out there that people are willing to share because they want you to have the best care that you can have from that diagnosis. Having this in your family and your, you know, in your family history, when did you start your early detection? Uh, we start, I started at 40 okay. and, and you can start earlier with my younger sister having it. Uh, we have girls, lots of girls in our family and they, they've all started around 42 just because they're, it's just the smart thing to do so that you pick up on early diagnosis cannot be talked about enough and raised awareness is so important. You know, walking with Gay through the hospital, uh, you know how special she is to those here. And let me tell you, not one person walked past her without, <laughs> you know, saying hello, saying good morning. And you can tell, and I've been told, she really is um, the light and advocate for what this hospital does. <laughs> this process can be challenging. What else can you say to those who, those women who get that diagnosis and they're going in for that first, you know, first treatment and they're uneasy and they're worried? Well, you have to have a lot of faith. Um, you have to have faith in your physician. You have to have faith in um, the people that are working with you. You have to believe in them. And I have a lot of faith in God. And, and I know that's that's not there for everybody, um, but it, it certainly was for me. And But seek out to your closest people. Don't be afraid to ask for help. My, my I guess my first enlightening was... I couldn't do everything by myself, especially those first two weeks, because you, uh, with some of the surgeries that you have, you're not allowed to raise your arms. You have to be a T-Rex. And uh, so that was kind of enlightening when my surgeon finally said after about three weeks, you can get your milk out of the refrigerator now. You know? <laughs> so, and my daughter, my son's family, and my husband, they were right there. They, my husband probably fixed my coffee for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> in all of our almost 50 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so but you, about time. No. <laughs> so you do have to, you have to reach out to help. And that's, that's very humbling, um, especially if you're somebody that's very take charge and we're going to get this done, but you, you will have to rely on other people. And I can't stress that enough. And I can't stress your nurse navigators enough. There's some good people and they've been that story with so many people they can help you a lot. Wine Around the Square has been going on now for 12 years. This is the first year that Wine Around the Square and uh, Ascension has honored one of their own here at the hospital. The honoree this year is Gay. What was that like when they shared that with you? Like, we would like to honor you this year. Well, I was, I was a little leery. I, you know, I said, uh, that's a lot of limelight, <laughs> you know, and, and I've, I've, I've been here a while, um, like Stephanie said, a lot of people know me, and I do feel like most days I represent Ascension St. Thomas Relative very well, and I try. But I was a little bit, oh, people know me. That's, you know, I'm, they're going to say, what are you doing today? What are you doing now? So I was a little bit leery, but it has been a great journey. Thank you so very much. And you've gotten a lot of people to help out this coming up Saturday. We have. We Those volunteers are out there. I went back to my the floor that I work on here in the hospital and to all of my friends that speak to me every day in the hallway. And I said, uh, you will be you will be volunteered around for around the square to help this. Yes, ma'am, we will. <laughs> we will. It's be been great. Uh, Gay, thank uh -huh. you so much for your time. Is there anything I haven't asked that you would like to share? Uh, no, I think that's I think it's good. I hope I've uh, hope I've enlightened people that there are people out there and just just be brave and consider it an adventure and keep your faith and you will do well. Thank you so very much for that. Stick with us here on Mornings on Main Street. We have a lot more coming up today. 
It's the biggest racing show of the year, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Six fast-paced divisions of racing on the quarter mile Friday night. Pole qualifying in three big feature events Saturday night. And the Curb Records Big Machine Vodka Spike Coolers Fall American 400 on Sunday afternoon. Racing starts at 6.30 Friday, 5 o'clock Saturday, and 1 o'clock Sunday. Tickets available at NashvilleFairgroundSpeedway.racing or at the gate on race day. It's the 39th All-American 400 weekend, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th. Get your tickets now. He shoots, and he scores! Here at Rock and Roll Sushi, we're proud to be the original American-style sushi restaurant founded on great food and rock and roll music, boasting concepts and flavors that are big, bold, and loud. We're the only place to experience the rock you love and the rolls you love with the ones you love. Come see for yourself why we're the best sushi experience in town. Find us at 108 Morris Road in Clarksville or visit our website at rockandrollsushi.com. Welcome to the Omni Nashville Hotel. Urban elegance with a vintage touch. Our 800-room hotel opened up in the fall of 2013 with 746 guest rooms and 54 suites. Welcome back to Mornings on Main Street. We've highlighted so much information about breast cancer awareness and treatment, but now we get to talk about this weekend's fun event. And let me tell you, Charlie Patel has been here every year. Am I correct in that? Yes, ma'am. And he's the owner of Stones River Total Beverages. You'll be uh, offering your services and the drinks that will be on right. hand. Why is this important to you? So uh, my partner, uh, Greg Patel, mm -hmm. He lost his mom when she was only 52 years old gotcha. because of this uh, cancer. Mm -hmm. And my mother-in-law also uh, is a survivor from this cancer. So it's very important to us. So if you, get, you, know, you want to do everything we could do mm -hmm. to bring awareness to it. That's incredible for you to do that and to offer you know, your business for this. What is it like for you as someone who has had experience with breast cancer and someone in your family to see all the people come out to support knowing that the funds go back to the power of pink fund oh it's absolutely like people this horrible disease everybody knows about it mm -hmm. and you know every dollar uh, raised could help save you know so many lives you know it's nothing better than that you know 100 percent. what sort of vibe do you get when people come out for the event like what is that vibe that you feel Oh, just uh, drinking uh, moderation because <laughs> we're gonna have over 252 uh, products they can sample okay and you know just come out have fun Mm -hmm. Be social and uh, be responsible. 100%. Again, thank you for giving your time. If someone would like to know more about your business, about Stones River Total Beverages, how can they get in touch with you? So uh, we are located on 28 North Thompson Lane, okay. uh, Murfreesboro. Uh, we have the largest selection in, uh, I would say, state of Tennessee. Wow. So, and we have service like no other. 
Uh, so for 12 years, again, uh, Mr. Patel has been here and providing the beverages for everyone to come out and to be able to have a good time and, again, raise money for the Power of Pink Fund, which let me share with you what I found amazing. This fund has helped to save or to offer 25,000 life-saving mammograms to women, those that are underinsured or uninsured or just don't have the access to mammograms. That's how many they've offered, 25,000 life-saving mammograms. 548 procedures in 2021 and connecting with women in 26 counties here in Tennessee. So if you're in Murfreesboro this Saturday or if you're around the area, make a point to come down here to yes, the square. Come yes, come you out. Won't, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> Have some fun at Wine Around the Square. It runs from 6 to 9 o'clock. Mr. Patel, thank you so thank much you. for that. We appreciate your time. You guys have a great Friday. If you're out and about, stay safe and always enjoy your weekend. We'll see, see you back here. Saturday. Yes, yeah, see you Saturday night. Enjoy your weekend.